Welcome back, Red Spotters. I am your host, Alexis Soto, and this week I am joined by Mr. Peter Martinez. Peter, um, tell me, how are you doing this week? I'm doing spooky. That That's perfect, because this is the first podcast of October, a month that oh I'm sure... God. A month that I... I almost will guarantee will bring this country many, many terrors uh, for years to come. What a perfect coincidence. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, yeah. So I'm going to get into like the rundown right here, guys. Um, but kind of a warning to you. I don't know. There is some good news for Peter and I to kind of like chew on here, but... I'm going to let you know right now, there is a lot of crap in here that we're going to explode over on certain things. So just so you are aware of that. All right, let's get into this week's What's Happening Hot Stuff. Kathleen Kennedy has re-upped her contract with, with Disney and has opted for three additional years as CEO of Lucasfilm. Striking a major blow to the anti-Last Jedi movement. And on the heels of that, research finds that 50% of Last Jedi backlash was actually political trolling. In other news, Russian bots. And it was a very vocal minority. Gee, I wonder who else has been saying that all this time. Keeping in with Star Wars news, Jon Favreau has finally shed some light on his upcoming live-action Star Wars direct-to-consumer streaming service series uh, for Disney. That was a long title. And he has revealed via Instagram that the title of the show will be called The Mandalorian. I will give you the full description that he put on there as soon as we get to that story. Also, Venom has finally arrived, and the reviews, as you can have imagined, if if you've been listening to the podcast, you would have known already, have been ranging from a level of Catwoman to Daredevil and other comparisons here or there, with an an, an exceptional performance by Tom Hardy, according to these reviews. And Disney continues to get on my bad side by announcing a live... Well, not announcing, but it was reported that a... Live-action remake of Lilo and Stitch is currently in development, which we fully expect will be greenlit as we will get into it further. And we also have trailers this week for Into the Spider-Verse, Rocketman, and Daredevil. And hopefully we will end, if we have time, with a discussion of the current state of the DC Universe... Uh, including the self-titled streaming service as well as the Titans and other stuff coming up, Aquaman, you name it, all here on Red Spotlight number 129. Um, And uh, the first thing I want to say this week in regards to what has happened is... That I think uh, it's extraordinarily wonderful that Peter and well, mainly Peter. We'll just say that that Peter has had, I would say, an oracle-like foresight into a lot of these issues. Because I think today is going to be um, another day for Peter to call um, to call the check on the number of things that he called from the beginning. So Peter. 
Um, you want to start off with Kathy Kennedy. Kathy Kennedy, who in the face of this anti-Last Jedi movement, in the face of the Han Solo boycott, in the face of the vitriol and hatred and calls for her uh, resignation, seemingly it seems as if all of those voices were silenced all at once. Oh, yeah, it absolutely was. Um, but it shouldn't have been. <laughs> it should have been... Fairly obvious. Unbelievably obvious. But again, because a lot of people that were such anti-Kathleen Kennedy, anti-Last Jedi, have no idea how the industry works. They just assumed, well, I hated The Last Jedi. So that means they're going to fire her because what I think everyone else thinks, and it's, and this is what I keep saying. They don't listen to the fans. Why, why would, why would a movie executives give a shit, but what one angry YouTuber has to say, or even 20, it doesn't matter how many views they get. What they care about is, are our films making money? Which is the business of every film executive in Hollywood. Yes. And when you have three billion dollar films in a row, you're you're just not gonna get canned. I'm sorry. By the way, who even else, with the failure else, of solo. Exactly, but who else has that track record of three billion dollar movies in a row? Kevin Feige doesn't even have that track record. No, he doesn't. And yet we keep hearing time and time again, oh, Kathy, you're so second rate when it comes to Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige knows how to plan everything. She really has only made four movies as far as uh, her tenure at Lucasfilm as CEO is concerned. And three out of the four have made a billion dollars and only one underperformed. Yeah, I, I don't know what people expected. Like, people really believed the rumors that they themselves made up that she was going to get canned. And she clearly was not from the beginning. Um, but I'll tell you what else. I, I think that perception, why it became so um, hammered in, it wasn't just the people that hated Last Jedi and boycotted Solo. It wasn't just their own delusions, although, although that certainly is enough. I feel, once again, the uh, movie news media played a heavy hand in selling home that narrative of painting this picture that, you know what, you guys, maybe you are right. Maybe there is something here. Like, I personally feel that this solo thing was blown way out of proportion. Is it a failure? Yes. Did it underperform? Massively, yes. But I think the way people were acting in the media and the fallout of solo, it's, it's as if this one catastrophic failure negated $3 billion films. No. And again, we always talk about how the way people fail upwards in Hollywood and they have one hit and just strings of failure their entire career and they still get like the highest um, offers for different films and universes and properties and shit like that. Like... If um, other creative people and filmmakers can ride their entire careers on one hit, you're really going to tell me that Kathleen Kennedy, the one that just made them 
gave them $3 billion films and produced some of the greatest films ever made. Which, by the way, is about to get an Academy Award for that. He's just going to be thrown to the side because, like, well, Solo sucked. Um, No, (laughs) that's not happening. I'm sorry. You should have seen that coming when Bob Iger took cover for her. And remember, I said, not only will she not get fired, she might get a raise or she might get promoted. She didn't get promoted necessarily, but she got a three-year extension. Um, that, that'll that tell you something. <laughs> um, and again, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is perfect. But Yeah, I think that should have been very clear enough. I, I, I do want to make, make that point that <laughs> Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy has every right to be criticized for her handling of the various projects since her tenure. We have stated that the results speak for themselves, the end results, and they certainly do speak for themselves, for the bottom line, and that is money. However, Peter and I have been extremely critical of her handling of the projects that were in the development and even in the production phases because of how she would run into constant creative issues with the people that she hired in the first place. And I think that was completely her own fault from the very beginning. However, I kind of just like, I really, really want to make this like point clear because you, you said this yourself a few weeks ago. Where the hell did these people get the nerve to have to be pissed off at her? When she, under her reign, most of the things that she has greenlit have been to service those very same people. It was just yeah. one movie that ticked them off. And this is the thing that kind of, this is the thing that irks me to no end, is that she is doing exactly what they want her to do, but that's also the reason why she fails. Like, no one is viewing this Star Wars property correctly. They're all like, well, we need a Kevin Feige. We look at Marvel. We need to do it like Marvel. The reason why you're disliking what she's doing with Star Wars is because she did try and do it like Marvel. She tried to do, we'll do at least a film a year. If it worked, they probably would have tried to push it to two Star Wars films a year. I mean, you see what they did with um, Episode Eight and Solo. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's just this giant movie universe. And we're going to put, you know, this part of the story here and that part of the story there. And it's all going to be about connections. I mean, look at Rogue One and Solo. Those films, it's all about nostalgia and, and connecting to all the other parts of Star Wars. And it's everything that these people are asking for. And yet they complain about it. And that's the thing. Like, they love Rogue One. They really do. And I suspect most of them like Solo whenever they see it. Yeah. Most of them actually like Solo. They might not love it, but they at least like it. Better than Last Jedi, for sure. Mm -hmm. And even a lot of those, even though a lot of them will say, a lot of them do hate it. It might be around 50-50. But a lot of them do like The Force Awakens, too. Mm -hmm. And then an even bigger number of them, I think, liked Rebels. Oh, yeah. The television show. A lot of them do. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I, it should be clear, Peter Martinez, that um, you are in, and you will acknowledge this, and of course this, this is not saying that you are wrong, but like you are in the extreme minority when it comes to the opinion of that show. 
um, as far as um, where it stands. That's just the way it is. Because and that, that, that and that is to say that not that you were wrong, but to show that the fans have universally praised and loved that property. Yeah, and that's why when it's like they're all talking about like Star Wars is dead, da 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 da. da, da. What are you talking about? You've liked more Star Wars shit since Disney has taken over far more than I have. If anything, you should be complaining is you. You've had severe issues with, with, I mean, off off the top of your head, what for you has enraged you about the mentality and the directive from this new tenure at Lucasfilm? Well, obviously, the fact that they try to treat Star Wars like a movie universe and it never was a movie universe. The fans tried to turn it into a universe. And Star Wars, I think, has been cheapened ever since that. Um, Rogue One completely misunderstands the point of the original Star Wars, even though, again, most people feel like it is most like the original Star Wars. And it even enriches the experience of the original Star Wars. How does it misunderstand Star Wars, just to be clear? Um, This whole notion of like, oh, the plot hole about... (sighs) It fixes the plot hole of Luke being able to... It's dark um, and greedy. It's a war. It actually feels like the original Star Wars because it feels like real war and there's gritty battles. Did you watch? Okay, I'm not going to get to that yet. Continue. But yeah, the original Star Wars is nothing like that. It's not a plot hole that Luke is able to blow up the Death Star in one shot. That's just the kind of film that you're watching. An old-fashioned, Flash Gordon-style kids' science fantasy. Yeah. And to have this whole like gritty war film to try and fix the quote-unquote plot holes just kind of betrays, I think the whole nature of the original Star Wars. And then you have Solo, which is just like, remember that? Remember <laughs> that? That's the entire film. Um, and I don't like that at all. And people love that about it. Well, remember, uh, that wasn't where it was going to stop. We know that they've had like Jabba the Hutt and Boba mm-hmm. Fett and Yoda and Obi-Wan that were, now they're all dead in the water. Well, we'll see about Boba Fett. But all of those other ones were. Oh, I going think the Boba Fett one is dead because of the the what's it called? We will get into that, but okay. I agree. With what I, when we get to that part, we'll talk about that. But in general, that I they think, were yeah. remember there were rumors. I guess yeah. not rumors. They were serious. They're going to do a Moss Eisley film. Oh, they were. Remember, Interesting. there were a lot of rumors, but you know what? These rumors don't come out of nowhere, and I think it it, it tells you that. From the very beginning, Kathy Kennedy went out of her way to please these fans, and I think yes. I think she's been miss. I think she's been like, like okay, if this didn't do it for you, what will? I mean, she's even gone so far as to like I don't know how much of a heavy hand she has in the television shows, but then there's also the live action TV series, which these people are so in like excited for. Then there's also the revival of the Clone Wars and yada yada yada. I mean. All of these things are for these people. And yet And that's the thing. Like they're they're excited about the new story that we'll get into later and the Clone Wars coming back and all this. And I'm like it, it honestly, I just think everything goes back to fucking Last Jedi. <laughs> and just just a 
deep, uncontrollable hatred a lot of people have for the film. I honestly think of The Last Jedi wasn't hated or wasn't controversial. There would be no boycott. People would be like, oh yeah, Star Wars, okay. It just wouldn't be as controversial. I really feel a lot of it comes down to that. Like everyone wants um, Dave Filoni to take over. Dave Filoni isn't a god, a Star no, Wars god in my eyes. And a part of me wants him to take over. So then when they have Star Wars media they don't like, like what are they going to do? They're going to turn on him. Are they? Are they just going to say, it was probably Kathleen Kennedy's people. Well, behind the scene. Remember, it was the these, deep these, state these fans of have Star turned, Wars. Remember, well, look at the relationship these fans have had with George. They loved him, then they turned on him, and then they love him now again. I think it's pretty clear that they have no real like sense of loyalty to anybody in particular. If If Dave gets in there and he fails, well, they will turn on him just as easily. But that, again, determines on their point of view of failure. I do well, want to say... They don't need loyalty. They, they just... Like, if you don't like it, don't overreact. Like I said, like, I've probably liked the least out of the stuff that's come out of Disney, but I've found some shit that I really like, and I'm like, okay. As far and the as shit the way, that I don't care about, I just yeah. kind of ignore it. Like, and I don't... It's not the end of the world. As far as to what Kathy has done right, I think uh, Force Awakens, I think, was an amazing success, and I think her... I, I will be, I guess, one of the few people on the internet to praise Kathy Kennedy... For have I think it's the producer in her for allowing people like J.J. Abrams and even better Ryan Johnson to come in and pitch what they would want to do with the film. I'm going to be one of the rare people that will praise her for doing that because I think that decision to allow Ryan Johnson to kind of just go, okay, what do you want to do? Where do you want to take this story next? I think that manifested in her greatest achievement as president and ceo of lucasfilm and i in my opinion the best star wars anything we've gotten since the original trilogy and i'm sorry i agree but it's my favorite i'm sorry but i think again like a like a lot of other fandoms as i've been like railing against all this summer and all this year I think these people, these Star Wars fans that are so upset with Last Jedi have their priorities way out of whack. I think it is, it's my view anyway, that they are not interested in a good film. They are just interested in having things that connect to other things. Like what? Yeah. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is why their films get such a huge pass because just so much as there is a mention of something that happened to a previous film, it's good. It's good. And it's like what you said, like those films, as long as you have a costumed freak with a cape on it, they get such a massive pass as we'll get into Venom or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. But it's like all they I, I, want is things to connect to each other and they want to turn this into Marvel. And again, how many times do we mm-hmm. have to say they're not the same properties, not remotely. And you trying to do that is destroying the identity of what this is. And I think a lot of these people have no idea, have no bearing whatsoever to what Star Wars was in the first place. Because you cannot tell me for one second that if you look at those original films and if you look at what Ryan Johnson did, that was a natural, inspired direction he took with those characters, a brave and bold one that I think was pulled off amazingly and it was the most at the most like accurate 
I feel, representation of what a Star Wars sequel should have been to those amazing first three movies. I I 100% agree. My whole thing is like, if they don't like it, that's fine. I don't. I'm not trying to convince anyone. Okay, I want to. I want to. I want to. But no, shut up. Let me finish. I I want to be clear about that too. You get defensive every time. But I want to be clear though. I want to. I'm saying that I agree with you. I I I want to clarify that I I'm not saying that if you didn't like the Last Jedi, you are wrong. I just disagree with you. Personally, from my yes. perspective, I don't understand how mm-hmm. you think that that went against everything that what you loved about Star Wars. But then I realize, I think the debacle is, what is Star Wars to you? And again, that's why I'm like, I'm not trying to convince anyone. I don't think you are either. My whole thing is, when you become like such an asshole that you're like only real star wars fans think this way and obviously this is terrible and like you're just you have such this level of ownership that you can't just be like well i don't like it oh well you know maybe i'll like the next one don't worry they're never gonna stop making them even if you try even if you boycott every film they will not stop um you can't just be like yeah I, you give your reasons why you don't like it, and then it's like, okay, eventually you move on because that's life. You know, not everything works out, but these a lot of people, it's just like crazy how much they are just. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it, and I need to bring down the whole world because I hate it. And that's the kind of shit that I don't respect. Like I like I'm sad that you hate it, but you do have to understand some people really love it. And if you don't like it, like I'm sorry, move move on. You have Rogue One, you have Solo, you have the the new uh, <laughs> Mandalorian. I keep thinking the Mandarin, the Mandarin, <laughs> but the coming the to Mandal- Disney direct to consumer, the Mandalorian show. You know, you have the Clone Wars coming back. You know, like relax. You have the novels and the comic books. Let people like what they like. I'm not yeah. it, like I'm not saying you have to like it as well, but let like share your opinion. You don't like it, okay? Move on. <laughs> well, speaking of which, what did you make of the news that apparently fifty percent of the backlash in the um, immediate reaction of Last Jedi? were Russian bots, apparently. I'll be honest. I don't believe it. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I don't really think it was Russian bots, but I don't think it has to be <laughs> like it. It's still like a very few select, angry people that just cannot let go that have to go to Ryan Johnson's Twitter feed every day and make, make sure he knows how much they dislike his film. Um, as far as Russian bots, maybe a, a few, I don't think it's 50%. Uh, cause how can you really determine that? Um, I don't know. I, I personally, it doesn't seem provable by just one guy 
just looking at tweets. But I don't know. What do you think? I think in the environment that we're in, it certainly does feel that 50% is a bit of an exaggeration, exaggeration considering that I think ever since the movie came out, episode eight, you and I feel like we're the ones in the minority, the silent yeah. minority, or no, the silent majority. The silent majority. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It just, it, it makes me feel strange in a way because it's, I guess, like what you said, now it just makes me feel like how people walked out who loved BVS and then they heard all this like, reaction to it and i'm like what the hell are you talking about like i i can understand where people come from mm -hmm. why they didn't like the film but it's like and, and i feel like i have to make this point again it's like do you people have any idea how much i've loved star wars throughout my whole life do you people have any idea how much the prequels meant to me how much the clone wars meant to me how much rebels and day filoni and how much the mythology of this universe means to me and yet, I had no issue with what Last Jedi did. I have no issue with them trying new things and expanding what the definition of this is. Yeah, and this is one of the assholes that, like, tries to learn the name of every race. No, and I don't try and to learn. I just happen to know. He tries I've, to? Because he wants to be top nerd and well, make all the other Star Wars nerds feel bad. Well, now that Peter got his joke out of the way, in all seriousness, you know... I am, I do consider myself an uber Star Wars fan. And because I know these useless characters' names, like, uh, remember uh, Vistane from Rogue One, uh, who was the monkey that got blown up from the, I don't know, the, the ship. You don't know the name of the ship? <laughs> Fake fan. Fake news. Um, yeah, and Bib Fortuna and Salacious Crumb. I know Max Rebo and his band that performed the Jabba's Palace. I mean, well, everyone knows Max Rebo, of course, and Size Noodles. Um, look, in all seriousness, I love this universe, and I think this is a special franchise onto its own that can't be replicated anywhere anywhere else, really. Um, but I think that, at least from my observation, is. I, I feel like I've changed and, and and my taste has definitely evolved throughout the years, especially even in this podcast. Um, that being said, I feel like there is a difference between expecting what you have imagining in your head and then also not allowing the filmmaking process sweep you in because at the end of the day, what Star Wars was and always has been were these special films. And no one is pointing out, as far as the issue that people have with Kathleen Kennedy, or not organizing this trilogy, is, you know, episodes four, five, and six were made up on the spot as they went along. And no one ish mentions that whatsoever. I would say show me a trilogy besides The Lord of the Rings that was completely planned out from the beginning. 
And I'm talking about like the greatest trilogies of all time. Can you name one that was completely planned out before ahead of time? I mean, if we're going to throw Marvel back at these people, not even the... I know you don't believe in trilogies, but because (laughs) even the individual titles within, let's say, the Thor movies, the Captain America movies, the Iron Man movies, even those, like... They they weren't planned. They, I just think it's ridiculous. I don't know. Um, either way, I. What do you Again. make? Oh no. Um, what are you gonna say? What do you make of these people saying that um, Kathy is gonna leave after episode nine crushes at the box office? Oh, um, I don't believe. It. Wait, crushes like does good or does yes, bad? yes, crushes yeah like dominance. oh like it's she's just gonna mic drop and walk away right while she's well, on top yeah no I feel um, like that's so misguided no there is rumors that she might leave when Bob Iger leaves that's why it was only a three year extension mm-hmm. I think that's very very plausible yeah very very plausible um. In in reality, I don't know how much she can really do in three years because it's twenty twenty one, right? Like, it looks like it is, yeah. Like maybe two films. She's only going to really do two films after episode nine. Um, whether she stays or leaves after that, I have no clue. Um, if I was her, I, maybe I just it's like I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> uh, retires, goes somewhere else, and you know, produces Indiana Jones 27. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, or the next. Actually, isn't that coming out 2021? Indy 5? Oh, that's right. So three oh, films. She'll, yeah, she'll do three films then. Um, then she'll ha- help uh, Steven Spielberg produce his Barack Obama biopic. Oh, God. Um, oh, my God. I <laughs> Like, Peter was really joking. I I would pay money to make that happen. But why I'm like, okay, I'm okay with her coming back is because, one, and Bob Aguirre mentioned this before, they're pulling back on the number of films they're doing. So I think their target is going to be one a year, which I would even go two a year, but the, if they're at least going to be smart enough to go one a year, okay. The, the stupid spinoffs, at least on the film side, are dead in the water. They're dead in the water as of now, which is awesome. They're going to focus on trilogies. They they may or may not do the Ryan Johnson thing. No clue. I'm but hoping that they, they do, yeah. but it's really up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. But they're going to they're gonna focus more on trilogies. So it'll be the Benioff Benny Offman wise Game of Thrones guys even though I'm not too hot on that I'd much rather they focus on doing like just a standalone story trilogy like that than stupid spin-offs of Yoda and Boba Fett and all oh god so useless wasted time um so there are certain moves like that where I'm like okay plus and again, this is where I started to warm up to her, was she got rid of, what's his name, put JJ back for episode nine. Colin Trevorrow. Now, to yeah. be clear, though, 
She did what you would have done. She got rid of Colin. She mm-hmm. asked Ryan immediately. Yes. Ryan said no because at the time we weren't aware he had another project with Lucasfilm already on his plate. So when he said trilogies. no, he went. She went to JJ. Mm-hmm. So, so far, she's making moves where I'm like, I I don't know what else she can really do to make it that much better. She's course correcting. She's course correcting in the way that I would like to see it be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I'm not, I'm not like overly angry or overly happy. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Speaking good, of good for Kathy. Speak. All right. So tell me how you really feel about this John Favreau show. Uh. <laughs> Let me let me read people the description. So, the new John Favreau show will be called The Mandalorian, and here is the official description of the show. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. I'm going to say this right fucking now. People right now who are excited about this project, I think are missing or overlooking or have are completely oblivious to what what I think was revealed in that text. And I want to be clear before we even start off that Peter and I have always been against the idea or the concept of a live action Star Wars show because of budget concerns. And we've already on this show covered enormous amounts of projects that require heavy budgets, don't get them, and they end up being shit. So that was our reservation going into it. However, there was recent reports that it said 10 million an episode, which I asked Peter if that would be sufficient, and he said yes. So, you know, before mm-hmm. this week, I think they were like, all right, let's see what you got here. It's John Favreau, okay. I'm going to say this right now. This description literally killed any kind of enthusiasm, if anything, I had at all um, for this project. In fact, this makes me hate this so, so much because basically reading this, like, first of all, I want to make it clear, Boba Fett, Jango Fett, they're not fucking Mandalorians. We've already seen fucking Mandalorians in this particular era. Um, Also... Boba Fett and Jango Fett weren't interesting people. They weren't interesting characters. Stop making stories about them. This basically right here is that jettisoned Boba Fett film broken down into a series. Because this, by the way, is also just stupidly named. The Mandalorian makes it feel like this is a story about the Mandalorian culture in Star Wars. When in reality, from what I'm reading this is, they just created a new Boba Fett type character they copy mm-hmm. and pasted it onto the reputation of that character, and there is your show. They basically made Django Fett 2.0. Yeah. And which that's what George did with the prequels, which is like, Boba Fett's really popular. So let me just make him again and name him Django Fett. And it's his dad. And so that's what they're going to do with this. He might not be a Fett, but it's going to be the same thing of like, He's a badass in Mandalorian armor, and he's takes, I don't know, he's a bounty hunter, and he takes jobs, and da-da-da-da-da. The, the issue I have with it 
is um, I'm I'm really tired of Boba Fett. I'm really tired of everything that has. I'm tired of Mandalore. I'm tired of everything that has spun off from him. I just I just want to I want to see new shit. I I just really want to see new shit. And I'll be, and like I said, I love the Clone Wars. I really do. I never cared for Boba Fett in the in the Clone Wars even. I sorry. I didn't. He just never came off as that interesting of a character to me. Like he had kind of the revenge angle with Mace Windu. But he just never again, he's one of those characters that only works in the original trilogy because he was a mystery. He's just this m- mysterious, silent, bound, badass-looking bounty hunter. And like most Star Wars characters, he just looked cool. That's it. That was all there ever cool. was to that character. If if you start like having twenty pages of background to it, it takes away the the mystique of the character, and then it just kind of becomes boring. And that's what kind of happened to me with Boba Fett. Jango Fett never even had that. It's just like, yeah, I like the I like his accent. The Kiwi. <laughs> I really like that accent. I think it's a cool accent. But, um, I, yeah, I hated what they did with the clones and the Clone Wars. Again, the Clone Wars made you care in the end, but I still, it's still rather stupid that I, I really don't like the story of, oh, Jango Fett, the clones and all that. That would get into the prequels, so I don't want to get into that. But I don't know. I'm just... I just want to see a story about new characters and to just make yet another Boba Fett clone just doesn't excite me. I'm just tired of Boba Fett clones. I'm tired of it. (laughs) Not only does this make me so unenthusiastic about this, but the fact that, and we called it from the seconds that this was dropped on the interwebs, the fact that everyone is eating this up makes me actively root against it. Well, the reason why they're eating it up is because it's it's just the same nostalgia bullshit, and it is nostalgia because it's it's another Boba Fett looking character that to to be an act badass, and then why well, I kind of said it in the last sentence, badass. Oh my god. <laughs> Which I'm tired of. I I think I've gone on several different rants about how Star Wars traditional Star Wars spits in the face of traditional badassness that because of the time period in which Star Wars was made, um hippie culture and all that was very influential on George Lucas, which very much influenced his thoughts on war and the so Jedi. So you're saying politics was involved with Star Wars from the very beginning? The Jedi are basically the ultimate hippie. Like, they have long hair. They say they're nonviolent, but let's be honest, they're pretty violent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they steal from all kinds of different Eastern cultures without not really completely understanding them. Like meditation and yoga and this idea of like the force and everything, energies and stuff. Um, Yeah, like that's 
um, George Lucas was a young liberal filmmaker nineteen in the 1970s, very much influenced by the times, which very much influenced the work of Star Wars. And I think he said this before, like he's he's literally compared it to like Ronald, not Ronald Reagan, um, the other one, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, he compared the prequels to George W. Bush and all that. Like, it's it's not me inserting my politics into it. These are quotes from him. You can look them up. Uh, and so, yeah, it's... And again, I don't have a problem necessarily with, like, having a darker, hardened, like, quote-unquote badass. I can, I can deal with it. Because, like I said, like, my favorite EU stuff was Starkiller, which was all about just. Um, Did you like the Timothy Zahn novels of Thrawn? Yeah, they're pretty good. Okay. So it's it does it's not always bad when they delve into just you know being badass, but I think it's the fact that it's coupled with shit we've already seen, like. It's it's just another Boba Fett clone. Like I said, if it was new and interesting characters, um, I think I would be more open to it and be like, yeah, okay. It's given something that, you know, the quote-unquote hardcore fans really want. And it, it could probably be something I really like too. And at the end of the day, they ha- they do have talent, so I might really enjoy the show at the end of the day. Um, also, before we move on, I just I, this this thing keeps popping into my head where I'm just upset. Um, the, where, where do people get this idea that Last Jedi and Force Awakens are two completely different movies? Oh, like they don't fit together? Yeah. Again, I it's it's not that they don't fit together. It's that your view of what Episode Eight was supposed to be doesn't fit with the episode eight that we got. And if you don't like that, that's perfectly fine. But then don't say like, well, you know, episode seven, episode eight are just completely different films and they don't fit together at all. I, I feel completely different. Well, I want to say this to you. Um, This one person that we, we, you and I both uh, watch uh, to get angry at him uh, on his show Oh yeah, he we had, do that all the time. He has said uh, that With episode everyone. nine, uh, his prediction for episode nine is that JJ is going to give us um, an explanation for Snoke and uh, Ray's true origin. Actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to say something um, to get ahead of it, like a year and a half ahead of it before episode nine comes out or before a trailer drops is... And I already know this is something that's going to really piss me off. There's going to be a lot of stuff that happens in episode nine that'll be natural. Uh, what's it called? Natural, ev- natural evolutions from episode eight, seven and eight. Um, that a lot of people will try to say, oh, JJ retconned it. He retconned <sighs> it. And it's like, no, it's just a natural evolution that they're, that this happened now or that this character acts like this now. So like, they're going to say like, Oh, JJ fixed it by having the Knights of Ren in episode nine or he retconned it. And it, it won't be a fix. It won't be a retcon. It's just, this is the place for where they're in the story. Now it's sort of like, um, 
Jabba the Hutt. You heard about him in the first film. You heard about him in the second film. It wasn't to the last and final film where you finally saw him. Mm-hmm. Same thing, kind of, with like the Emperor. Like the Emperor. Yeah. So, and then also, I think Luke is going to be, like, more of the stoic, um, traditional Gandalf type. Mm-hmm. When he's in ghost form. And a lot of people are going to be like, he fixed Luke, guys. This is what we wanted. And it's, and again, I don't think it's not going to be a fix. It's not going to be a retcon. It's going to be a natural evolution. Because these people from we, the story we, that we just mentioned, had they are eight. convinced. These people are convinced that J.J. hates Brian Johnson's Last Jedi. I haven't, I don't, that, you know, that honestly surprises me. Because I think, like, I'm not someone that tries to, like, say, like, oh, no, everyone has to think the way I think. Like, I I can guarantee you George Lucas probably hates Episode Eight. I think uh-huh. Mark Hamill has made it clear that he, I don't think he hates Episode Eight, but he wasn't happy with the direction his character went in. Um, and I have no problem saying that because I think it's true. And I think there's evidence to support that. Um, but I don't see any evidence whatsoever that J.J. Abrams disliked Episode Eight. And in fact, I think there's evidence to show that he really liked it. Um, before they started filming, he came out and said, you know, about the script, like, this is the film I wish I were making. And he, did, he didn't have to say that. Like, he really didn't. No. He didn't. Um, and then even after, it, after Episode Eight came out, he defended it by saying, like, um, like oh, some people... I think, like, getting into the whole sexist argument, like, some people don't like it because women or something like that. And again, if he didn't like the film, he wouldn't defend it in that way or talk about it in that way. I mean, he's been constantly defending the movie. Like, I really think he liked it. And I... and. And if it's what I because think, because it's a great both, movie, Peter. It's a, a, <laughs> I think it's a great film. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you're trying to convince me. I think it's a great film too. I understand, pe- like again, if you don't like it, that's fine. And if you want to say that Mark Hamill or George Lucas don't like it, hey, I think there's tons of evidence to back that up. Ron Howard doesn't like it. I think there's also evidence to back that up. Yeah, but I think um, there's also evidence to back up that those people's opinions don't mean anything really in the grand scheme of things. Well, it doesn't just because they dislike it doesn't mean that it's a bad film. Right. So that's why I'm fine with saying like, I don't care who likes it or dislikes it because it doesn't really change the value of the film, at least to me. Um, So that's why like, I have no skin in the game to say, Oh no, no, George JJ liked it. I swear. I swear. Like, no, it's just from what I've seen. That's the way it comes off to me. If there's evidence that he didn't like it, I'd like to see it. And I'm not saying, like, it has to be clear in writing. J.J. writing down, I disliked episode eight. It's just more of, like, well, like, with George Lucas, like, remember when he's, like, the compliment he gave the film was, it's a beautifully made film. Like, that's a really, like, that's a compliment you give when it's, when you don't like the film. But George Lucas was never going to like this because it's not what he was wanting. He, he, yeah. He had, yeah. That's, but I'm that's saying the reality of it. That's the kind of evidence I'm looking for. But with yeah. JJ, I feel, I see the opposite. I've seen him defend the film quite a few times and even come out and praise it in a big, bad way. So, 
And I think if it's the same people we're talking about, they also said um, that they think JJ come their evidence for why JJ didn't like the last Jedi is because he came back to do episode nine. I think the reason why he came back was because of the force awakens backlash Mm -hmm. and him just going like, no, you know what? I, I, he, I think he kind of had something to prove. Like I can make a great star Wars film. I'm just, um, and it doesn't have to be because we've said for a number of times that force awakens had to be what it had to be. Yeah, it did. Even then, I still think he made some. I got my ups and downs with Force Awakens, mostly ups, but I got my ups and downs. Um, Say what you want about the film, but I think um, the experience that we got out of it will be one that we will never forget. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Um, but I think he came back just genuinely because one, Kathleen probably begged him, <laughs> and money, two, money, 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 money. Okay, and three, it was because of he's like. He he got a, a little bit of heat. Well, not a little bit. It feels like a little bit now compared to Ryan Johnson. But at the time, it was a lot of heat um, over The Force Awakens. And everyone just saying, oh, you just made a carbon copy of um, that would piss A New me Hope. Off. A New Hope. And I think it got to him. And he's like, no. like He wanted to challenge himself to really deliver something I mean, unique and great as, as far as the Star Wars film goes. Isn't it even, is, is it pretty fair to say that there are things that happen in Force Awakens that were better from a filmmaking perspective than A New Hope, like the acting. Yeah, but a part of me likes the New Hope acting better because, again, it's the cheesiness. <laughs> which is that, good, people. Which is good. good. Like, that's the kind of film that it is. Yeah. Like, aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? You know, like can somebody get this walking carpet out of my way? I mean, we could just sit here all day. The Um, fact that Leia has like an English accent for one scene, (laughs) it's it's great. Like, it's it's it it is what it is. Um, It is what it is for sure. Any lingering thoughts on on this conversation, and where do we go from here? I feel. At the end of the day, as a Star Wars fan, what I'm looking forward to next year, I'm looking forward to Episode Nine most of all. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to wrap up Clone Wars. And I'm also looking forward to see what Disney has to offer for their Star Wars theme park experience. Um, everything else kind of falls by the wayside for me. and um, But it's just a live action show. And what, what what other shows? Because you know they'll announce more shows by next year. Oh yeah, I'll be annoyed by that. So. Um, I'm not writing off the the. I keep wanting to say the Mandarin, the, the Mandalorian. I'm the writing Mandalorian. it off because I mean, well, look, I'm writing it off in the sense that I think that that show, the way that it's described to me at mm-hmm. this moment in time, represents. The, the the forces in, in the fan base that I think are winning le- <laughs> that are leading this discussion into mm-hmm. the wrong place and it shouldn't be there. I well, love John Favreau. I love mm-hmm. the people that got to direct. I think definitely there'll be quality put into it. But if it's just a show about some Boba Fett character, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna tune in every, all to every episode for just that. I'm not. Yeah, that's something I, I genuinely don't care about. That's why I'm waiting for a trailer. 
I'm waiting to see like if there's more to it than that. I'm really hoping that there is. Um, because the talent, again, um, your boy, the man in the beautiful the, cowboy The talent hat, speaks for itself. Is Dave directing Filoni. the first hel- um, first episode. Taika Waititi's d- directing episode. And That's going to be the, interesting. Remember he said, I'm not going to direct a Star Wars film because I like <laughs> to finish my films. So the fact that they got him on an episode is pretty cool. Yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard. That's awesome. That's interesting. Um, so in a sense that there is stuff in there that for someone that likes director driven shit, like they got. And they have the budget. And they got the budget to show it to. So. And from the official photo they released, at the very least, I'm like, this looks movie quality. Okay. So that's good. That's good. So I'm like, okay, it doesn't look cheap. This ain't no Titans shit. Um, I I agree with all of what you said. Those things mm -hmm. are important, and I agree with you. It shows that there is elements of quality being put into it, except for the story. If the story doesn't work, nothing works for me. That's what I come down to it. I'll give it a trailer. Mm -hmm. I think we'll know a lot by the trailer. And... uh, we're all going to watch at least the first episode, no matter what. I mean, we're Star mm-hmm. Wars fans. So even if the trailer is like bad, which is how highly doubtful, we're probably going to watch it inevitably. Um, so, yeah, that that's uh, where we are with Star Wars. Um, I took us 56 minutes, but hey, this is what happens. All right, uh, Peter. Let's let's get through some of these quickly before we get to the ending. Um, Into the Spider Verse, Guerrero. Mm-hmm. The trailer. Yes, the new trailer. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And why? Um, the art design is absolutely gorgeous. I love how they're really going for it. As far as the different like spider people. They introduced, like, they really went out of their way to just get the wackiest ones possible, and I love right. it. Right. Um, uh, the, the story looks simple, but interesting. The writing looks very sharp. All the humor landed very well. The voice acting talent, like, I also think works really well. Um, they There's a lot of references to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, so... Hook, line, and sinker right there. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, just at, at every level, it, it's like, okay, this looks this looks well done. So, yeah, this is the most, I'll be honest, this is the most excited I've been for a Spider-Man film since Spider-Man 3. <laughs> That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. All right, uh, Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Um, it looks good. You know what I like about it mm. is that it doesn't look like a typical biopic. It's supposed to be like a fantasy musical. Is it? That was yes. That was inspired by real life events, like his life. But it's not going to be like this straightforward typical biopic that we usually see. It's like straight be, out of Compton or Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, it's described as a fantasy musical. Which I love, especially considering the source material, the man himself. The uh, music the bitch is back. The bitch uh, is back. The the music and also, I mean, I just gotta 
watching this made me just feel so proud um, for Taron Egerton. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because, like, I mean, I know you weren't taken with his performance of Kingsman, the first Kingsman. I was. I felt, for me, he was the best part of that movie, and I loved uh, that film immensely. And I still think while I was disappointed immensely with um, Kingsman 2, I still think he was excellent. Um, I think he's always been somebody that has had a lot of talent with him, and I think you see that in full force. I think this may be a defining role for Taron Egerton. I really hope so. He looks great. I think he honestly he looks like Elton, and he and and he has a great voice that sounds mm-hmm. like Elton John at his prime. Um, no, which is I, which is funny enough because um, I was on YouTube the other day and I I I, I looked up the the Elton John clips of Kingsman Two, which were my favorite moments of the movie. Oh God! I don't know what it is, but I just I get a kick out of watching. <laughs> Elton John get a fight sequence. Could, you and Kyle would not shut up during those scenes. You know what? I don't give a fuck. I mean, I needed to find entertainment somewhere, okay? The rest of the movie was not doing it for me. It just wasn't. Yeah. That was my so, dig. What was that? 2017? 16, 17? 20, that was last year. 17? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Biggest disappointment of last year. Yeah. So it's like, Yeah. Daredevil season three. Uh, I really liked it. I, I really. The Daredevil show is still like the only show that just continues to pique my interest. Um, it, everything with like, um, it seems to be going the pushing the characters the farthest. I love Wilson Fisk. Um, uh, again, the idea of Matt Murdock going down a much darker road that he's ever been on before is interesting. And then the tease of a classic villain at the end. Um, it looks good. I don't know what to tell you. I walked into this trailer just ready to hate it and ready to call it a day. But um, it was pretty damn great. <laughs> he sounds and, so disappointed. And... Um, I can now add this to the list of things that I need left from Marvel before I officially walk away. So it'll be Avengers 4, Shield 6, and now Daredevil 3, and then I can ride off into the sunset and ignore you, everything you, else. You can't quit the game. There's no quitting the game. You know what? You're so right, Peter, because now we have Venom, another Marvel movie that opened just this week for you and I. Yay. Provided to us by Sony in association with Marvel Studios. You know, my capacity for disappointment in the news media um, continues to be blown away. That's all I have to say. But uh, I think it's pretty clear if people are listening at this point you've seen the reviews that they're everything peter and i said it was going to be and then some peter yeah i mean i don't think we've ever been as right on the money as we've been here except maybe with um well in, in humans in and titans. humans yeah i was gonna say in humans and titans titans eh um <laughs> Because I think everyone was on the same page with Titans. 
But it, we called in humans way before anyone else did. Right. And I think Venom, too. Um, yeah. And again, it, it's, it's really pissing me off. And I think this is where you're coming from, is just what a pass superhero films get. Like, what a complete pass. And it, this film didn't get a didn't get like a pass pass because it, it's got a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. It fluctuates between the high 20s and low 30s, um, like our president's approval rating. Well, that's not true. His is actually much higher. Um, but a lot of people saying, I was entertained. I liked this one aspect of the film. So because I liked... 20% of the film I want a sequel and it's like again if, if it wasn't a superhero film you wouldn't be saying that you wouldn't walk out of a film saying I like 20% of that film I want to see another everyone no one away does with, that everyone walked away with the exact same thing the movie sucked and it sucked so much that there were parts that weren't supposed to be funny but were actually funny but Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy. That's all I keep hearing. Mm-hmm. And that alone, just like, then Venom is a win in our book. And I'm like, how, how fucking pathetic are you people? How pathetic are you to give this movie of all movies a pass? I mean, I'm going to say it right now if it wasn't said already, but Peter and I refuse to see this movie. Yeah, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to go see this film. You already forget about that. Maybe Francisco will go see it, uh, and then we'll get him to review it once he ever sees the, the movie. But I'm, a, I'm not going to go see it. I'm not going to give a single penny to this movie. I refuse. It's just such an utter waste of time. It... I mean, did the reviews? what did the reviews reveal to you, based on what you read? That the, we were right. Like, remember the first trailer... We said, like, this looks, like, bad. Like, the dialogue looks terrible. It looks it looks like a cheap, typical um, superhero film. From the with 90s Ve- or the with 2000s. Venom, the, from, with the early 2000s with Venom plastered all over it. And that's what you heard a lot of in the initial reviews. So I don't, I just, like, I don't need to see this film. I can watch Electra anytime or Catwoman. I don't... <laughs> I don't need to pay money to go see this. And it's 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 also something that I just never wanted on a personal level. I never wanted a Venom film. I know a lot of people love like love Venom. I I'm not there with you. I like him. If he was in the new Spider-Man film, I'd be like, "Oh, cool." But I he's someone that I just do not need to see a film of. And again, if you were going to do a film, at least do something unique and interesting with it. I thought foolishly. Like make it, make it rated R and then do not bother connecting this to the MCU. Foolishly, because I assumed, because this was like announced right after Logan, that I'm like, oh, they were influenced to green light it because of Logan. It'll be this no, hard R No, you R-rated, got that wrong, Peter. Simon like Kinberg horror. was influenced by Logan to make X-Men Dark Phoenix dark and gritty and realistic, which was his exact words if you listen to last week's show. Yes, how wonderful. Which is um, stupid because of all the things to make grounded, really Dark Phoenix. 
Yeah. If you're, that's like the wackiest you're going to go. Maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. Um, but no, I was completely wrong. They were influenced by Deadpool. At least mm. that's the way it, it sounds like from the reviews. Um, but again, it does sound like that thing of like they want to have their cake and eat it too. So it just comes off like funny in parts that it shouldn't be awkward unfunny when they're trying to be funny and then overly stale because it has the exact same template as an early 2000s superhero film just like daredevil um angley's hulk like it's i don't know let me read some tweets real quick to summarize this now that impressions can be shared, Venom is pretty much this year's fan stick. <laughs> Venom is Catwoman-level bad. This is Tom Hardy's worst performance since This Means War. <laughs> uh, social, okay. Uh, I talk about this a lot in my review. This is a movie that somehow slipped through a wormhole from 2004. It's not a complete disaster? Question mark. Uh... Sorry to say Venom is pretty much a complete failure, tonal mess that feels 15 years old, ignoring storytelling, yada, 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 has nothing to offer, don't get your hopes up. Uh, one that says Spider-Man 3 is greater than Venom. Think Affleck Daredevil. Think Ang Lee Hulk. Think Halle Berry Catwoman. That's all I, that can be said, I think. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the way we we saw this film turning out appears to be exactly the way it turned out. And I just rather not spend money on the films like that. <laughs> Cause that's not what I want. I don't want a second Venom. I don't want a carnage film. I don't want Sony's movie universe. Cause it's really sad to call out like an entire like movie company, but they're kind of bad at making films. <laughs> They're, yeah, they're exceptionally uh, bad at making films. Uh, yeah, this thing obviously is horrible, and we called it, and I honestly have no further interest discussing this except one thing. Are you still sticking by your $80 million prediction? Um, it'll probably be lower. Cause I, I, I think it'll earn enough to warrant a sequel, though. You had eighty million opening weekend. Uh, Kyle had seventy. I had six. I had below sixty. So, um, I'm hoping it just crashes and burns. Because me I, too. I don't know. I the, the, mar- the marketing hasn't really been as pushy, at least for me. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe it has been for you. But I, just, I think I w- just because there's not like really anything. I mean, there's a Star Is Born, but if you want to go see Venom, you're not exactly the same demographic that wants no. to go see a Star Is Born. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's nothing else, and there hasn't been for a while, so it might look out and just be like, people like Venom. And I it can't imagine this being a popular movie, though. It, uh, I can see it making a lot of money opening weekend and then dropping drastic, drastically, but after it makes that a lot of money the initial weekend, the next day, you're going to be like, Venom sequel Grinlet with spinoff of uh they might try and do that thing where they spin off carnage and then do a venom versus carnage film marvel is dead 
Okay. Um, tell me, because um, you we were talking about this a few weeks ago. Because um, every t- every time there's a lot of moving parts about this, and considering the the recent news of of the Joker set photos of Birds of Prey moving along, and then the announcement of D- or the the launch of DC Universe and Titans. Kaylee Cuoco recently signed on to voice Harley Quinn in the animated show. Swamp Thing is moving along. Shazam, Aquaman, yada, yada, yada. So where do you think right now DC stands? Um, as far as what? As far as where we are right now and what's coming up. Do you feel that this year has been better off for DC as a whole in terms of the projects that are on both film and television? I was going to say yes until we got Titans. And I mean, they're getting they're getting good buzz for their Joker film. I think they're getting good buzz for Aquaman and for um, Shazam. So, as far as the future goes, it doesn't look too terrible. There's still like little bombs dropping here and there due to the aftermath of Justice League and BVS. Um, but as a whole, it's in a far better direction than I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's better positioned. Um, amazingly, I think right now we find ourselves in the in the opposite position of where we are last year, in which I can name you more projects from the DC umbrella that I'm more looking forward to than Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I can name you. Look, yeah. Shazam, Aquaman, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, Matt Reeves, Batman. I would take off Wonder Woman, but that's three with the Batman. <laughs> well, I mean, Wonder Woman, I'm looking forward. I'm not like, crazy excited about, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm looking forward to see what comes next. I mean, the I'm first not. move, the, well, the first film was good. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was, but again, it's just, it's it's the same thing with a lot of the Marvel sequels. Like, yeah, the first one was good. I just kind of don't don't care about the sequel that much. Like, the only thing I'm really looking forward to with Marvel is the last Avengers film. And then after that, I can't really think of anything. Um, but I am interested in Shazam and Aquaman and Batman. So, I mean, that's three to one. Hey, there's that. Um... And speaking, you, you mentioned it earlier before about Titans. Um, <laughs> wow! What? I just want—I just want to read you some quotes that I got here from a special review of Titans. Oh, of Titans? Oh, God. yes. No one's having a good time. I don't know who is supposed to be enjoying this. It's not even really well-done violence. It's just Dick Grayson dragging a man's face through glass. Bullets would fly in one direction, and you don't even know where they're going or why they're going there. A lot of this show looks kind of cheap. It's kind of like a a cosplay. It's not even good cosplay. I hope no one takes this conversation as a it's-so-bad-it's-good kind of watch. It's really not. It's extremely unappealing. It's not like you get a sense of this team. 
it's sort of just things happening and then a fight scene would happen and then you're just like, what am I watching? Why did I order DC Universe? This was a bad idea. I don't know. I like the way Beast Boy was handled and he's hardly in the show. The sound effects are just so over the top. Anytime visually something something isn't gratuitous enough, then they would just put like a big squish or make sure you hear the stab extra loud. And the fuck Batman part, it's not as stupid as you think, but it's extremely stupid. I don't think I have a bright spot, really. I mean, again, I I never cared about the Titans live action show, but I I gave... It's not like other um, properties and other shows or films that are coming out where we can see for miles away that, oh, this is going to be shit. It wasn't until we saw the trailer and like the whole world was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> this, is, this is not the Teen Titans at all. Um, and also cheap. That's the other thing. Um, that's, that's, that's a big reason why I'm really giving uh, the Mandarin a chance. The Mandalorian. Fuck it. I'm just going to say the Mandarin. <laughs> You realize there's a possibility that the, that because of the MCU streaming shows, they're going to have, have a Mandarin show. The Mandarin show. Why not? They should call it that. The Mandarin show. The Mandarin show. <laughs> like the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, because I'm like, at least they're giving a shit, you know, like they're trying. They're they're genuinely putting the money in you know, with the sets and the costumes and they're trying to get the talent behind it. They want to make something special. So even if I'm not so hot on the initial concept, I'm like, you at least warrant my attention with Titans. It's like, uh, it's just so cheap and just, it just looks so slapped together. Which apparently isn't the best, isn't the worst part of it. And and again, it, it really is that thing of like, who is this for exactly? Um, so right when that trailer dropped, it's like, yeah, no, thank you. (laughs) And again, every time a comic book thing, a show or film is just mediocre to bad, gets us one step closer to the fall of comic book films and TV. Which leads me to my next point. At at, the, at this moment, what comes to your mind of the past five years? Because it's been mainly the past five years, TV and film. What instantly pops up to your mind as things, titles? Not just like don't say every this or that. Just like what particular titles reoccur in your mind the most that were mediocre to bad failures of the superhero genre, TV and movies. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, for me, anything really DC TV related, like Krypton and yeah. Gotham, Supergirl, Gotham. Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. Again, I can understand why some people like it, but that's just no big no for me. Okay. Um, Justice League, BVS, Man of Steel. Uh, that's a little bit. Oh, that is five years, isn't it? Right on the cusp. Um, uh, Suicide Squad? 
Suicide Squad, yeah. Mostly DC. Uh, uh, Fan 4 stick. Shit. Uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse, yeah. I would definitely throw that one in there. There's, um, this might be controversial, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Black Panther. Yeah, we're talking about, like, just okay to bad, then yeah. I think they make the cut. Right, okay to bad. That's what, mm-hmm. that's the range that we're talking about. Well, you can also put in the Dark World in there. Um, oh, yeah. For sure. I, I, I... <laughs> I like Age of Ultron too much to put that there. I feel it's better than just okay. But that's just uh, me. Maybe it, hmm. may, it might go in for you. Yeah. Um, there's Iron Man 2, which, again, I have more favorable feelings toward that, but to, he's, to each his own. Um, and as far as the TV shows, you can also put in Iron Fist and in Humans. Defenders was okay. There's Punisher, which was okay. Um, yeah. Oh, and Venom. Venom, Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Forgot about those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man ones. Yeah. And that's a lot of movies and a shows. Lot. So I don't know. For me, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. But I just want to say, you know, uh, to the audience, uh, and to kind of just like state where my state of mind is at the moment, and to kind of like tie it into, um, you know, how I was at the beginning of this show, not this podcast, but way back when we first started Red Spotlight. You know, my big three. Obviously, because of the Disney uh, leanings toward it, my big three when we when we first began was Star Wars, Marvel, and Pixar. And um, I, I don't worked know so if, hard to get you people to shut up about it. And and Kyle said no. The fantasy fair shall be created. <laughs> you know how he screwed himself over with that? How? Because he is the host of a Disney podcast, he now has to watch Mary Poppins Returns and review it. Oh, he was already going to do that, though. No, he wasn't. He, he, he's, well, he claims he wasn't. But He's you know. full of shit. He, I, <laughs> completely full of shit. You know he what? He's gonna, he, I, I'm telling you right now, he's going to really love the film. I think he is. I'm telling you that right now. I think I'm going to love it. I, I think that as well. <laughs> and I think you're going to hate it. So I think I'll be ambivalent towards it. You think you won't care? Yeah. Um, I, personally, I want to love it. But that, that's just me. There's um, some films that you want to love, and it's so funny watching you struggle with that. Well, look, if it's bad, it's bad. That, that That's just the reality. I mean... Pirates of the Caribbean 5 and Beauty and the Beast, I'm going to admit fully that I had good times in the theater. I had fun with those movies. Did I ever say they were good movies? I don't think I did. I think um, you did. When? Well, okay. I'm not going to get into it. As of the, the reality is, as of this moment, I'm not calling those movies good. But I did have favorable and entertaining experiences watching those films. 
Again, that's not calling them good by any means of the imagination, just to be clear about that. But I found entertainment value in that. That's just me. Putting that to the side, um, the big three, as I said, were Star Wars, Marvel, and Pixar. And I think you could tell from my, like, those are the three franchises that I have, like, as, as I've mentioned, I'm an avid collector of films, a Blu-ray collector, right? And I think you can tell how... Um, how my enthusiasm and love for each of those branches has all but dissipated when this year in 2018, I don't care about the new releases enough to acquire them. And I've acquired every single one of them beforehand. I don't care enough to, to, to throw money to get Solo, to get Ant-Man and the Womp Womp, or to get Incredibles 2. I take sole responsibility for that. And I think that's fucking depressing. It's fucking it depressing because that's that's exactly where we're at, where all three of them are just giving me issues of just like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm saying no. That, that this, this is where I draw the line on so many levels. And well, each all, of them, all, each of them have had their own issues that have mm-hmm. kind of made me angry and bitter. But to be clear, though, and, and I think what, what what's for me – What's frustrating is that it's all kind of culminating around the same time. Like 2019, after Avengers 4, after Star Wars 9, just give me those finales and I'm good. Yeah. Well, again, I, I, I think I'm similar in that I – well, you like shit to go on and on. But I think that also stems from your love of television, television more than yes. film. Yes. I, I like definitive ends to stories because – I feel like with stories, when you don't end it, it just sort of like it. It just becomes Ooh. a walking zombie. And there basically. are certain exceptions, like Creed and Star Wars. Yes, there are I mean, certain exceptions rocky, to but. that rule. But for the most part, ninety nine point nine 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 percent times out of ten, um, it's it's always best to have a definitive end to a story, to have a bookmark on what you're trying, you know, characters and their, what their journey was. Um, and when you just continue it, it just sort of like, it just murmurs. It's like, it's like if you're having a conversation with someone and they eventually just sort of like start saying random words and murmur stuff. And then they just stop talking and it's like, what? Like you go from a wonderful conversation to like a clunky nothingness and i hate to see that happen to shit i love so i like it's happened to pixar it has it has and it's beginning to happen with marvel and sooner or later star wars if not in some some areas already so well we already got the last jedi yeah so i mean and then i think the bigger one also is the disney the the disney studios proper has been shoveling out nothing but crap after crap. Again, I enjoyed Beauty and the Beast live action and Pirates 5, but they are nowhere near what I would have hoped and would have liked from those projects. And literally every every project film-wise that Disney has announced and is planning to do, I hate with a passion. I am absolutely disgusted what they've done to poor Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. 
And remember, that was one of those films where you really wanted to like. In that first trailer, I was just like, the <gasps> oh, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I've already written that movie off. And then, what? Like, again, that's another thing. Disney Animation was on such an amazing role. And now we have R- R- Ralph breaks the internet slash Walt and Disney then the movie and then Frozen, Frozen 2. 2. We, uh. Then Toy Story 4 comes out next year. And like, there's the Aladdin live action, the Lion King live action. And then, of course, this week they just announced a Lilo and Stitch live action. Yeah, I, I'm really just not giving a shit about anything going on with Disney right now. No, I'm, I'm not just giving it. I'm angry. I'm visibly angry about what's going on at Disney. Yeah, honestly, um, Mary Poppins Returns does not sound that bad at all in comparison to all that other shit. <laughs> I... Maleficent 2 just finished wrapping. They're doing a Lady and the Tramp live-action remake for the Disney streaming service. I... It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And like I'm at the point where I have had enough. I have had enough. Like to where we were a year and a year ago from now to where we are now, I I I have just grown so um I'm I, I'm trying to find the right word. I think I'm just become disenfranchised with all of it. Like these were these were institutions to me, you know. In a sense, they were um, the pillars of what guided most of my passion uh, for entertainment and film. And now, with a few minor exceptions, I it's all just beginning to just no longer appeal to me, and that's sad because it kind of makes me feel like. I'm getting old and maybe that's just not for me anymore. But part of me is like, well, no, because you still want to like this like kid stuff, but like, it's just, they're handling all, it's just, it's going about all the wrong way and they're rewarding all the wrong people. I mean, I guess things have to end. You are right. And I guess I have to prepare myself for that, but it's like, you have to understand from my perspective, all of these things are ending all at once. And I just didn't think there would ever be a point where I would feel this level of negativity toward all of it. Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. It was unthinkable that I would feel this way. And I'm I, just <laughs> angry that I that I am and sad, really. Again, you are welcome. And you have an issue when somebody here gave you the nickname, The Death of Hope? Yes, I do. When you just said you're welcome. Yes. Killing Hope. Well, not for Killing Hope, for opening your eyes. It's like I, I, I showed you The Matrix. Yeah, it's kind of shitty. That, you know, all of humanity was enslaved to be batteries by robots. But also, aren't you glad you know the truth now? Well, with that, I think uh, we will leave it there. 
I want to thank Mr. Martinez for joining me on yet another depressing podcast. Um, let it be known that by the time this podcast does get dropped online, we will have an accused rapist on the Supreme Court brought to you by the GOP, just so you know about that. I want to uh, shout out to Kyle Lira and Alexis Moreno. Uh, this was Jungle Week, apparently, uh, the Fantasy Fair, which airs every Monday and Friday with Beyond the Ears and Once Upon a Retrospect. And of course, you can catch our episodes every single Sunday here at Red Spotlight on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, Mixler, and so on and so forth. And I do want to let people know that there will be a special bonus podcast this week uh, where Kyle and I review A Star is Born. How wonderful. It'll be 40 minutes of Kyle going, my gosh, Lady Gaga. Uh, Amazing. Let the record show that Mr. Martinez was, of course, handed a beautiful invitation to participate in that podcast, Mm -hmm. which he summarily rejected. Yes. Because he's going to go watch Venom. (laughs) No. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to another podcast. I appreciate you uh, for listening in. Please, please, please uh, stay positive out there and remember – Rehire James Gunn, fire Bob Iger, stop Kavanaugh. I don't know how many more I can add on, but I'm going to keep adding them on. Three more Good. years of Kathleen Kennedy. Three more years of Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>